Imagine this. Instead of being a generalist trying to cater to every traveler's needs, you become a specialist catering to a specific group of passionate adventurers. Sounds intriguing, doesn't it? It's a complete game changer. In today's episode, we'll uncover the many reasons why narrowing your focus can bring incredible benefits to your travel advising business. So whether you're a seasoned travel advisor or just starting out, this episode is packed with valuable insights and practical tips to help you level up your marketing and sales game. We'll explore how narrowing your niche can increase your expertise, streamline your sales process, and even give you a competitive advantage in the industry. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teat. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. Let's start off talking about what do we mean by niche. I think a lot of people misunderstand, and we've touched on this in other episodes. So if you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. When we say niche, we're not saying like you only plan Italy or you only plan Caribbean. I think it's very easy to assign a destination focus when talking about niche. The other thing is it's not just honeymoons or destination weddings. Like you can be niche in any direction, essentially. So if you do only want to plan Italy for a specific clientele, that's great. But the whole point is that you're defining what you want to plan, which then in turn also helps you define your target audience that you want to plan for. And we talk about defining a target audience a lot, but you have to make sure that these two concepts are married to each other. Not that you're like picking a destination because you love to plan it, but then there's tension because your target audience doesn't want to go to that destination. And I think a lot of people do that too. Just because you're passionate about something like off the beaten path, but then you want to plan to millennial honeymooners. Right now, the big thing is obviously like very Instagram worthy travel. It is, there is some like aspect of exclusivity, but there's a lot of mainstream travel too that people want to kind of like advertise on their Instagram. So when you have two conflicting concepts, you're not going to be able to market appropriately. So narrowing your niche is going to allow you to market more accurately and speak to your direct audience in a very direct way rather than just like, I plan the world. And this is, I mean, I tried to take on the world. So I feel like this is, again, one of those things like, what would you do differently? What I would do differently is I wouldn't try and be a specialist at everything because that's simply impossible. I would have been very targeted in who I wanted to work with and where I wanted to plan and then refer out anything else because I was just massively overwhelming myself with information and clients. I think them overwhelming yourself (laughs) is such a huge point. I think we always, and I mean, we'll get into this a little bit later in the episode, but yeah, when you're trying to plan everything, like you can't do it well, you know, so you're sacrificing the quality of your work to try to like plan Nepal and the Caribbean and Bora Bora and Italy. And it's like, 
what do you do well? Because when I'm thinking about restaurants, when I go to Cheesecake Factory, it's like the menu is a Bible. And are you doing all these things well? Because you can't. You're not American. You got spaghetti on here. I'm really confused by you. So I don't choose you as an option typically. Because to me, you don't, you're not doing something well. Something's off. Something's probably really good. I do love their chicken marsala, but something's probably off. So that's what I always think when people are like super, when their niche is the whole world. I'm like, oh, so you're Cheesecake Factory. And it's like, well, I don't want to be Cheesecake Factory. And it's like, well, that's like my, I don't know, maybe that's a silly comparison. <laughs> no, I think their menu is a novel. Actually, it's so funny because that's my mom much. just got me a gift card to Cheesecake Factory. And I'm like, when in the world have I ever gone to Cheesecake Factory? It's so far from us, which is such a, like a random pick. And she keeps mentioning it every time she's here. She's like, don't you guys want to go to Cheesecake Factory on a date night? I'm like, this has never been a thing in our family. I don't know why. There's like such a focus on cheesecake. Well, first of all, I like hadn't really been there. It's such a mall place, right? Like when you're going to the mall, you always hit up Cheesecake Factory because it's always by a mall. But when I was little, my mom like never really took us there. And so I always assumed Cheesecake Factory is where you buy cheesecake. It's just for dessert. And then people in college, there was one by our campus and people would be like, oh, we're going to go to the Cheesecake Factory for lunch. I'm like, you don't eat cheesecake for lunch. And they're like, oh my God, you've never been. They have everything. Yeah. It's a bizarre concept. I don't know who named it, but well, it's just strange. I mean, it's clearly standing the test of time. So if you want to be Cheesecake Factory, apparently it works in the restaurant business. But I don't know. I always just, that's where my first mindset goes. It's like, oh, I plan this, this, and this. And it's all totally crazy different. It's like, huh. You can plan all over the world. That doesn't mean you need to like only hone in on Europe and be like, I am Europe. Yeah. You can plan, you can specialize in food destinations or like gastronomical travel, but you can focus on the places that would make sense, like the wine trails in South America and also like the Napa valleys of the world and also France and like all of their beautiful wine stuff out there. So there's like, I mean, in Tuscany. So there's plenty of things that you could like, you can pick like that kind of like what we were saying, like a specialty as well and kind of still plan around the world, but plan in the places that that's like where you specialize in is the vines basically. Yeah. So like if adventure travel is your thing, there's plenty of places in the world that you can focus adventurous travel. If you do sports events like Mm -hmm. F1 and Wimbledon That's a niche, but that's all over the world. But you need to be able to speak the lingo of whatever you're doing. So to me, I'm not going to go to someone to plan F1 if their question is, what is F1, right? Correct. And I'm not going to go to someone who has no interest in food if I'm a gastronomical-focused traveler. You have to be willing to attract like-minded and deflect those who are not like-minded. And that's a big hurdle, especially as you're in the business. You're like, no, I don't want to turn people away. I don't want to not have business. But what you fail to realize is that you have so many other things on your plate as a business owner that if you are not on an intake call, guess what? That's time that you could be mapping out the revenue for your year, adjusting your service suite, time tracking, how much it takes to put in an itinerary or actually do an intake call. Like you are freeing yourself up to do the things that allow you to apply strategy to your business rather than 
filling your calendar with client calls because you think that's what you should be doing in order to get business. 100%. Ultimately, like you said, like when it's so broad, you don't have like somebody's like, what's F1? You don't know the lingo. So like your messaging is not going to be targeted to them. So yeah, you're going to bring in a whole bunch of people and some might be great, but most probably won't. And that's wasted time to continuously talk to people who aren't your target audience. I think of people who do Disney incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And then they try and shift their social media to say, but I can also plan the world for you. And that's great to me. Here's where there's a caveat to that, right? Like maybe you've planned Italy before you've been to Italy, so you know you can do it well, but your niche, your marketing, everything is targeted towards doing Disney incredibly well because that is the language you speak and you have such a specialization in that. First of all, I want to applaud those people because it's not a language I'd speak and I really would outsource that. Like when the time comes to take Senna to Disney World, I will be booking with an advisor who's very good at it because I am simply not and I live in Orlando. So like if that tells you how many people actually need assistance, I am from the home of the mouse, all right? And I still need someone to help me navigate something that's 45 minutes from me. And I would prefer that that person be like all in, gung-ho, confident that that's the product that they sell Now, once you've gotten someone in your client book of business and they come back to you and say, hey, can you sell this also or can you plan this also? To me, that's when you open the doors. But I think from an initial marketing perspective at first glance, there should be no mixed messaging. If I were spectacular at Disney, that would be I would be gung-ho because I know that there is plenty of business in the world that needs Disney. And that doesn't mean it has to be in your community. It could be anywhere online. As soon as you make a reel, you're hitting hundreds of people that haven't even followed you on Instagram. So make a TikTok, like all of these things that are actually very like Disney. A lot of Disney visitors are consuming information by TikTok and Instagram. So to me, those would be the platforms that I would go to because people go to Pinterest, TikTok, and Instagram for tips on Disney. But I think that brings up another thing is that you need to be aware of where that target audience lives so that you can showcase your niche in a place where it resonates with the right audience. Have you ever wished for a safe space to ask anything to other travel advisors? What if that same safe space had a digital resource library with editable downloads that could be utilized to make your workflow more efficient? Or if that same space had a monthly keynote speaker that could share best business practices? And then what if there were system-specific mini trainings that could help you sell more, faster, and at a higher price point? What could be better? Let us tell you if that same safe space offered destination masterclasses and fam opportunities. We're talking about Niche Premium. Niche by Teak is an online community that is specifically for travel advisors to network and grow their business within a supportive and uplifting environment. To read more about the perks of membership, head on over to our website or look at the link in the show notes. The SEO for a Disney specialist would be so easy. Your keywords would be like so easy to hit. And I always think of it like that because I'm like, 
oh my gosh. So we used to sell websites. Now we don't sell websites. We work with an affiliate tonic. They are literally the best in the business at show it website templates. And their SEO screens it. You can't type show it into Google probably at all without tonic coming up. Like Uh if I was a Disney specialist and I wrote Disney travel advisor in Google, I would want to be that very first person. And again, yeah, Pinterest backlinks, all of that good stuff that would be so important too. But I think that's the power of finding a niche is knowing exactly what when my ideal client is going into Google and they're typing these two to three words, there's no way they won't find me because everything on my website, everything in my copy, everything in my imagery screams mm-hmm. Italy family travel or whatever it is. It's just everything gets so much easier. And like you said, if somebody comes to you and they're like, hey, yeah, you booked my Italy, but now I want to do you know, Cancun with, you know, some friends for spring break or something like that. You have the ability to still book other things because typically people, when they work with you, they want to continue working with you. It's like a very much relationship business, but you also have the ability to be like, no, I don't really do that because there was, I think you've used this in a past example, Jen, when somebody came to you and you're like, it's not my specialty. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest. I will help you but this isn't where my bread and butter lies. And then they're like, oh, okay, I'm not upset at you for like the yeah. proposal that I didn't love because you said it yourself. It isn't, it isn't your specialty. You'll help. But I think that's where it's just like an honesty thing. I think we always, as, as business owners, we're like, no, we're perfect at this. We're perfect at everything. Like everything I do is perfect. And it's like, I'm perfect at what I know really well. And this is the line in the sand. This is where I will plant my white flag. Like this is what I do and I do it exceptionally well. So I always like to liken things to other industries. And this just got me thinking because I think when we put things in perspective this way, it really helps people. So if I want to buy life insurance, I don't just Google insurance broker. If I want a human resources attorney, like a labor law attorney, I don't just put in Google lawyer. Every other profession niches down because it allows them to make it very clear. If you are going through a divorce, you go to a divorce and family attorney. If you need a will, you go to a family estate planning attorney. If you have a labor law issue or you are needing, I don't know, I think of like architectural law and real estate law. That's very niche specific as well. And my real estate attorney is not worried about missing out on the opportunity to serve someone in their divorce. It's very evident that every other industry is comfortable with deflecting the wrong kind of client because they're not interested in crossing those lines. Sure. Could they probably give legal advice on that subject? Maybe because they passed the bar in the state and they don't have to have the specific license for that niche. However, they're not going around and just saying like, I can do this for you. I can do this for you. Maybe it's again, someone that they have an existing relationship with that they're like, Hey, while you're at it, are you able to look at this contract for me? And maybe they're able to help or maybe they're not. But to me, I would have done things a lot differently, especially in the beginning You end up with disappointed clients, period, if you're not doing something well. Well, reoccurring clients is like the best thing you can do for profitability reasons. There's a statistic out there. It's like it takes so much money to acquire a new client and like only so much money to like go back and use somebody again. 
another thing with that, our out west road trips collectively when we were planning them kind of sucked. But also we didn't go out there looking for like the best supplier in the world to handle those because we got a couple leads as the whole year. Ultimately, it's like if we were, okay, we're going to go down this rabbit hole, you know, COVID, and then we want to stay here. We really love state parks, whatever. If that was our model, we would have searched high and low for the best of the best to help service our clients over there. Because I know they exist. Like I know there were people that definitely exist to help you with those kind of trips. We didn't have the wherewithal or honestly the care at the time to find them. We invested a lot of time finding really good Italy DMCs, really good Greece DMCs, like all those people that in the places we were booking. And I think that goes a long way for your niche too. Like everything we were doing was like on a box sale. It was like, what if we use FunJet and stuff? And it was, I really can't vouch for these hotels. Like I'm not familiar with Utah at all. I've never set foot in Utah. So I couldn't really talk about this hotel in relation to this park. And I know there's people out there. Yeah, we were relying on TripAdvisor. Exactly. And like, I mean, TripAdvisor is ruthless. (laughs) Well, it's also full of lies. Like people are being paid to make those reviews. If a hotel isn't even open yet, most of the time it still has 10 reviews about their stay. And I'm like, um, shenanigans. I call shenanigans (laughs) on all of this. Well, it's like nobody with a, with a just average experience goes to TripAdvisor and says, this hotel was sufficient. They go and they're like, I found an eyeball in my soup or (laughs) the owner of the hotel carried me on his back to my room. Like there's no in between of like, it was just fine. You know what I mean? It was kind of like Yelp. It's just one extreme to the other. So it's like, I don't know how to trust this because you sound crazy, but also this hotel now sounds like the Bates Motel. And I don't know if that's real or not. You have no idea if the person that you're reading the review has similar psychological motives as you or preferences. To me, there are people, just think about it as if you're in in a restaurant. You're in a restaurant and it's a Cheesecake Factory. Let's go back to it, you know, because Cheesecake Factory is the generalist. So there might be the table to your right of someone who you're like, they look like they have a similar lifestyle than me. And I love their outfit that they're wearing. And they also have a small child. And oh, look, we have the same stroller. Okay, we've got similarities, common ground. Then the table to your left is like, I I cannot relate to you. There's literally nothing that you're doing that I can relate to. And that may be positive. It may be negative. It doesn't have to be either. It's just maybe they're completely different in their lifestyle, their choices than you. And maybe you still ordered the same dish because the chicken marsala there is great, you know? So the review online about the chicken marsala and the server that you all had in your section could be vastly different because you're consuming in such a different way and there is a different psychological lens to it. So I just think that you have to keep in mind when you're reading reviews online that everything with a grain of salt and you don't know the other person on the other end, you don't know if they've been compensated, you don't know if they had a bad day, you don't know if they just came from the best day of their life, Yeah, but what you can apply when booking trips is working with partners that are specialized in that destination. I know that when we first started specifically, we, because we were generalist and because wholesalers tend to do a lot of different destinations, 
we worked a lot with classic vacations and I had my contact there that I absolutely love to this day. I will give her credit for my entire business. We all know who we're talking about here. (laughs) We won't say her name because then she will be flooded, but I will fully entirely credit her to my ability to one scale a business while working another job because she allowed us to operate by email and two, the ability to apply knowledge, even in like a wholesaler environment, because she would give us feedback on this is what people are saying about this. And she was from New Zealand, right? Or New Australia. Zealand or Australia, one of them. Australia. She's from Australia. And so like I was planning a trip through Australia through Classic and she was able to give specialized information from her knowledge, but also they had it broken out departmentally. So there were European specialists, there were Tahitian specialists, and they were able to give insight specifically on those hotels because they had been trained in those hotels. Now a DMC operates the same way. They're going to focus even more intimately because usually they're in the destination. That's not to you know take away anything from a wholesaler that has trainings departmentally, but a DMC is trained because they many times live there. And to be fair, wholesalers actually do purchase from DMCs. So you've got this like pyramid of experience when you're working with these DMCs by being able to create these vetted relationships within your niche. Like Robin mentioned, we were not pursuing these other DMCs or vendors that might have been a better resource for us because it wasn't worth our time. If something is not worth your time, I guarantee in the end, it will not be worth your time. In the beginning, if you're like, hmm, I don't know if this is worth my time. The answer is most likely it is not because you're either going to mess up and open yourself up for risk and have to fix something or two, you're going to spend so much time researching that specific thing that it counteracts the ability to work on anything else. And it's an opportunity cost for working within your niche. There are just a a lot of reasons why as soon as you work outside of your niche, you are taking resources away from the people that want what you are incredibly specialized at. So let's talk a little bit more about how you can actually increase your value. And I don't mean value to your customer, but you're actually like, monetary revenue value when you are specialized. Let's go into talking about how service fee wise, you're able to increase your value and get money in your pocket directly for the more knowledge you have. Specifically, I invested a lot in traveling to Italy. That's no secret by by this point, if you've ever listened to anything before. (laughs) I invested a lot of time and money. It was my passion. I don't think that I would have solely ever booked Italy because I did really enjoy booking other areas of the world. But my marketing, I will say, would have leaned more Mediterranean in Uh general and let that kind of organically attract people and referrals. Because I just think that that would have, it would have spoken to the target audience a little bit more. I would have been able to fill my books with people that were filling my emotional cup. And then to me, I'm very willing to spend more for the chicken marsala at a nice Italian restaurant that has a strong reputation for their authenticity and their ingredients rather than going to the the cheesecake factory. And we're we're going to ride this 
comparison out. We're going to do factories going through and through. It's our single thread. But agreed, like when you get a Cheesecake Factory, in my mind, it's like an easy lunch with friends that's in a common area. It's always near a mall or an outdoor mall of some sort. So Mm -hmm. it's like the place you stop post-mall trip that's convenient. It's never going to wow you. It's never going to rock your world. You're never going to leave and be like, oh my God, that just... Unless you have maybe a a cheesecake. Hunter orders their cheesecake literally all the time to the house. (laughs) I mean, other than that, he loves him some cheesecake. So I was like, ooh, I got dessert and I hate cheesecake. So I can't relate to him on that front. But whereas a special occasion, like, yeah, we're going to go to, you know, Milano's down in West Palm Beach for that fancy Italian atmosphere, the Mm -hmm. white cloth table, the fancy bottle of wine, a slow lunch, slow dinner situation. We're going out tonight. We're celebrating something. We're doing something big, whatever it is. it's, It's just a different experience. And so... I think a lot of a lot of that is like, do you want the people who are like, yeah, we're investing in this. This is going to be that trip for us. Or do you want the people? There are people who need to serve the yeah. convenience. Like there, I could have made a killing, honestly, just serving the people who wanted to get to the Caribbean because I knew it super well. It was super easy for me. And a lot of my people live near major airports. So the flights were super cheap. And yeah. I was like, we're just looking for a quick stay in the Punta Cana area or Cabo or something. And that would have been really easy for me to kind of hang my hat on and not say that I was cheesecake, but that could have easily been a specialization for you. And a lot of people do that incredibly well. And I think they can get a lot of great service fees based off of that. But for us in Florida, it was also a weekend getaway spot. So everything has to be in proportion to what you're booking, right? 100%. I just get very frustrated. I think when I was starting out, everybody who talked about niche was always talking about luxury travel as their Mm -hmm. niche. And I got frustrated and defeated. And Jen's laughing because luxury travel is like such a buzzword now. But I always got super defeated because I'm like, that's not where my clients are at. Like I'm 23 at the time of booking these trips. Mm -hmm. My people are kind of like me. They're in their first job. Maybe they got one promotion in so far. So they're ready to travel, but they're not ready to do a 20K trip to Africa. That's not on the books. That's not on the docket. That's not in the future right now. What's in the future right now is a really good five-star stay in Cabo for three nights. And it's perfect for them and it works. So like I just, if there's anybody out there listening to this and you're like, oh, another podcast harping on like how important it is to be a luxury travel advisor, F that. Like that's gone. That's garbage. That's head trash. And you get to focus on what you want to focus on as an advisor. And I think that's the benefits of niching down, owning what you like to book and what you're good at booking and what's going to move the needle for you. Meet your clients where they're at, know who they are. And like, don't think you need to be to, in order to be a successful travel advisor, you need to be booking Africa. You need to be booking 15 K to Italy on the red. Like that needs to be your book of business or else you won't survive. That's wrong. In my opinion, that's just like, that's not, that's, voodoo, like ridiculousness that just is spewed in the industry sometimes. And I'm here to say that that doesn't need to be your story. Well, it's also imposter syndrome, right? Like, oh, I see someone on this Greece fam, which means I want to sell Greece so I can go to Greece. And you guys know how we feel about this. If you do what you do incredibly well, and you create the value that someone comes to you time and time again, Go travel wherever the heck you want in the world because you are banking on the destination that you sell incredibly well. And I think of, you mentioned like the Italy 
or sorry, the Italian restaurant comparison to Cheesecake Factory. And to me, I'm like, I want to be the aperitivo through coffee. Stop, Mm -hmm. right? No one is going to Cheesecake Factory for, I don't want to say no one. A lot of people might be going to, to Cheesecake Factory for the aperitivo through the coffee, but I want that intimate aperitivo in the beginning where no one's rushing you. Now we get an appetizer. Now comes the main entree, maybe a second course in the authentic Italian style. Then I want dessert and I want coffee and I want to linger. Like the goal in travel is to get the lingerers. That's how I feel. So that was at least my goal. Now, if you think about it for other people, destination wedding clients or mice clients or even a lot of cruise clients, a lot of cruisers like are, are they're lifers, right? They're lifer cruisers and that's their thing. But sometimes if it's a group, it might just be like a one and done thing. So those are niches that tend to be more transactional and that is okay mm-hmm. if you, I want to like asterisk, that is okay if you have built a system and streamlined those sales processes to be so efficient that it is worth your time. And I think that's a that's a big if. And you have to get to a place where if your revenue, if your average ticket price per client doesn't make sense for your time, then one, you need to make an adjustment in either your target audience or the process that you're applying to that client so that it does make it worth your time. It doesn't mean you have to charge more necessarily, but you either need to spend less time or you need to charge more and you need to pick a path. And so that's the entire intention behind destination weddings, behind mice, behind groups, behind large cruise bookings is that it is efficient because you're setting up one group booking option and people pick and choose from a menu from there, but the bulk of the work has been done in the beginning. And then you streamline the sales process on the back end so that it is, no pun intended, smooth sailing after the point of booking. Now we know that's very different for a multi-leg FIT where there's much more of that lingering experience. It's the aperitivo through the coffee. So we're not saying that either one is bad. I want to make that like, cause we like jokes aside, we want to clarify like neither path you pick is bad, but by defining your niche, you're able to put a price per client that makes sense value your time, define the processes that make sense, whether they're super high touch or super low touch, because it's not worth your time necessarily. And you find processes that support that with automation and things that allow you to be more hands-off while still making sure that the client is happy. Mm -hmm. And Jen wanted to be aperitivo through coffee. I feel like I was more so like the trendy spot you stop for a drink before you go to a nice dinner. That was me. I was yeah, like, I agree with that. I think you're the like tapas stop. Yeah. You know? You're the good glass of wine and maybe a little nibble. A vibey spot. I didn't like mm-hmm. booking like the mainstream boxy resorts. I like something that felt a little authentic. But at the end of the day, it was a little bit more sun and sand based or it was just like, you know, a stop or two. Again, we're all kinds of kinds over here. So if anyone's like, oh, they aren't, they don't get me because they aren't my niche. I would argue that me and Jen were very different in terms of our businesses and how we booked clients. But aside from just, we were, get, we were talking about revenue and like raising your fees and stuff. 
once you start getting those people who are coming to you and they know you for what you are and you're doing it exceptionally well and you're using suppliers who are doing it exceptionally well and you're able to cut down your time so you're cutting down your overhead you're able to raise your fees because and people are willing to pay them more because you come highly recommended you're getting a lot of ideally you have something in your workflow that's gathering client testimonials and how people are feeling about their trip that's in my opinion what helps sell your service fees better than you do is having that backed client experience where it's like Robin was worth her weight in gold because she made this trip so seamless. If you're ever like, I can't raise my fees because people don't want to pay them. I would argue you probably don't have enough client testimonials showcasing your value. And if you are asking for client testimonials and they're not coming in, they might be too vague. I would implement a like testimonial review form that asks people specific questions, which would include do you find value in my services? Like, did you feel that the fee covered, you know, what you expect out of this vacation? Yes or no type of thing. And why? Because I think that's when people are like, I'm afraid to raise my fees. I'm like, I'm willing to pay fees when I know something's worth it. And yeah. I don't know if something's worth it. If you're just telling me it's worth it. Cause like, of course you're going to tell me it's worth it. But if Sally over there is telling me it's worth it and she's similar to me, then it's worth it. So I think, again, if the table next to you, like maybe you weren't going to get dessert. Maybe you weren't going to be a linger. Maybe you were just going to enjoy your marsala and go. But the table next to you says, you have to get this cheesecake. It is to die for. You're probably going to get it. Like that's the power of a testimonial. Does this sound familiar? Your social media strategy fails to actually have a strategy. You post in real time because you don't have an easier way. You're living in post and pray mentality that people will finally be served your amazing content. No more. We have a solution and you've probably heard about it already. Our team loves using Planoly for social media planning. Planoly allows us to post at optimal times when our followers are on the platform and batch our content in advance so that we can work smarter, not harder. It's easy to overthink social media and then simply avoid it altogether. You don't need to be intimidated. Just remember that social media is a free marketing resource for you to leverage to build relationships with more of your ideal clients. So let's stop overanalyzing and start intentionally creating posts that reflect your brand. Click the link in our show notes to get started with Planoly today. How many times have you been upsold essentially by someone just telling you that you had to do it? Maybe you just need it constantly coming out of the kitchen. Like it's that molten lava cake that just keeps coming out of the kitchen. And you're like, damn, everyone's ordering it. What is it about that lava cake? You got to know. It's a psychological need. It's a psychological need to relate to other people and to be in the know. We're very much, especially if you're a woman, we're very much geared towards FOMO-based marketing, which is fear of missing out. So if you see other people doing something, we as women want to insert ourselves into that same situation so that we can relate. I right now, Barbie and Oppenheimer are like big movies. I haven't seen Barbie yet. Honestly, none of the commercials or like the trailers for it sparked my interest. The marketing and the fact that everybody and their brother has gone to see it now makes me want to go see it. So that's kind of like where those testimonials are so powerful for you. Does that have anything to do with your niche? I don't even know, but I think so. To that point, I think also share the testimonials that make sense for your niche. You don't have to share every testimonial. So like if you are making graphics for your social media or you're highlighting it in your newsletter or your blog, whatever it may be, pick the testimonials that reiterate the point that you want to be reiterated. Obviously, don't just go with like, I would never have picked the testimonial that says I like 
crushed the out west road trip where they stayed at, I don't know, a Hampton Inn for the night, which is like perfectly fine. But it's not what I would have showcased because I don't want people to continue to come to me for that necessarily. It was probably something that I was like, you know what, this is a functional stop for this person and it makes sense in this trip and I'm going to plug it in, but it's not where my passion lies. So make sure that you are showcasing those testimonials that make sense for your niche and they are going to resonate with the table to the right that has all of those commonalities with you rather than further pushing away your target audience by maybe just sharing something because it's positive. Here's where I go back to like, you can do something very well, but that doesn't mean you have to do it. I was in HR and I would like to believe that I did HR very well, but I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life. So all that to be said is think of the things that light you up Even if you do it incredibly well, guess what? No one is making you plan the types of trips that even if you do them incredibly well, if they don't fill your cup, if they're not where your specialty lies, if it's not something you want to continue doing, if every time you're on that intake call, you just feel that slight hesitation in wanting to move forward or you get the inquiry form and you're like, this is fine. It'll pay the bills. You actually do have the power of saying no to that. You could make an agreement with another advisor and get a kickback on that referral. You could just refer them to someone else and just hope that karma comes around and and a better client will inquire soon, which they most likely will if you are using that free time to speak to your target audience. I guarantee that most of the time when people are overwhelmed and underpaid, It's because they're churning to make ends meet and they're never making space to speak to their target audience and they're never making space to do the things that push the needle forward in their business. They're just thinking of paying the bills. And I'm not saying you you shouldn't be paying your bills, obviously, but if you want to actually scale your business into a truly balanced business filled with clients that you love working with, filled with itineraries that light the fire inside of you, you have to take the time. If you're listening to this and you're like, that's very easy to say, it's not easy to say. We're not saying that any of it's easy. Having your own business isn't easy. Diffusing escalated clients isn't easy. Handling flights that are canceled isn't easy. But it's like eating an elephant. You do it one bite at a time. And so maybe your CEO day is only a half day this month because you don't have time for a full day. Great. Guess what? You can start to create social media or marketing or your newsletter, whatever form that may be. And you can start to tweak that messaging from everyone to a specific audience. And then next month, you look at your finances and you start to increase your fees based off of complexities of trips. And then it will in turn allow people to self-select out of the process because the road trippers probably don't want to pay the $1,200 fee, but the person going to Italy for the first time in their life with their family probably does. It is little by little getting you to where you want to be. And this is a season of overwhelm for a lot of advisors and nothing changes if nothing changes. Agreed. Okay. So we've talked about all the reasons why you should niche down. We've gotten on a podium. We've talked about Cheesecake Factory. We've done all the things. (laughs) 
long term that we've dabbled on this concept. I wanted the lingerers. And that's where you start to build a strong reputation. It's where you start to build your referral program. Now, the reason for creating a niche is that you become in turn, and we're big on community over competition, so I shudder to say this, but you become better at other people at certain things. Robin, you want to dive into that a little bit? Yeah, 100%. So I mean, when you are consistently doing something and you're doing it incredibly well, it's no surprise that you become the like gold standard of booking. And I think we can all think of the travel advisor that we consider the gold standard of Italy, the gold standard of cruise booking, the gold standard of all this stuff or destination weddings, whatever it is. And it comes your like competitive advantage. And then that's able to translate into a more powerful sales message and a more powerful sales process that articulates that UVP and how you do it differently than other people. Maybe along the way, as you're booking Caribbean, you find all these random little things that can help you plan it more efficiently or do it better. You come into, we had our supplier that like literally took care of everything and knew everything inside and out. And I felt like she was my competitive advantage. We had such a strong reputation with her that we were going to, when we brought her business, the deal was closed. It wasn't necessarily like a, I don't know if this... And she said that to us, I'm pretty sure in an email one time. She's like, I know that when ET brings me any sort of proposal, it's going to close 80% of the time. And that's like really good for you know suppliers as well, not wasting their time. Okay. So you just mentioned specialization of specific advisors. And I think this is a really important topic to dive into for a hot second because I do. I know exactly who I would go to for Italy. I know exactly who I would go to if I were doing a river cruise or like a family cruise. I also know that not only do they know the product very well, but I'm going to pick it based off of the client experience that I know about because I probably know too much, right? But I am of a different generation. So my parents are different. If they were to work with a travel advisor, regardless of what they were booking, they would go back to that same travel advisor time and time again. Now, I think that's where your messaging to your existing clients needs to come full circle at the end of wrapping up a trip is like, hey, I loved working on this trip with you. Please remember me for other trips. Know that I can do X, Y, and Z. So you're exemplifying your point as you wrap it up with a bow because there are different levels of loyalty based off of generational differences. I would go to someone different for each niche. Me too. My parents are going to go back to the same person time and time again. So I think it's important to not get your feelings hurt, although it's incredibly personal, especially if you put a great experience in front of someone. But just remember that there are also different motivations for people and that by defining your niche and being very good at something, you may be ostracizing an existing client, but I feel confident they're going to come back to you. Or they're going to refer people who are looking for that same type of trip. And we go into this so much in our newest programs, Seven Figure Sales, about generational differences and how that affects psychology of buying. But millennials tend to focus on huge client testimonial people. They want referrals. That's why influencer marketing is so huge right now because millennials are the biggest buyers of the market. And they rely on not the company telling them that they should buy it. They rely on other people that they know, like, and trust to tell them. So any sort of referral program would be awesome for them. But like Jen said, as millennials, I would also go to somebody different for cruises than I would for an FIT Italy trip. 
Whereas older generations, like our boomers and stuff like that, they want the same person over and over again. They're comfortable. Once they find somebody they like, they don't stop. That's why (laughs) similar restaurants all the time. They're kind of the quote unquote stuck in their ways sort of consumers, but that's powerful. So that is another really, really important thing to know, not just about your niche, but about your target audience, which should go hand in hand with your niche and how you can actually... And again, this is in seven finger sales. We go into a way more there, but generational things like that are are huge. I'm glad you brought that up. It is huge. I just think it's easy to get our feelings hurt in this industry because our business is incredibly personal. And people say like business isn't personal, it's business. But when you are a solopreneur or even when it's your, I don't even want to say solopreneur, even if you're on a team, but you're an IC, or even if you just care about your work and you're an employee, it is, it feels incredibly personal. So I just think it's important to understand the motivations of people and to understand that your niche plays into the motivations of people. So don't think that like anything about your niche and your marketing and your client experience is in a silo because it all, they're, they're all interrelated. We hope you found this discussion valuable. Remember, by honing in on a specific audience, you can enhance your expertise, target your marketing efforts, streamline your sales process, and ultimately set yourself apart from the competition. We recommend taking the time to identify your niche and start implementing those targeted strategies now. To download your free Defining Your Dream Client Guide, head on over to the link in the show notes. And thank you for joining another Teen Talks episode. If you're loving our content, we would love and appreciate your support and feedback. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe so that you never miss when an episode drops. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teen Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.